Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend, and I'm so grateful you decided to join us for this episode. We have a great conversation planned for you today with Deacon Ed Schoner. But before we get started, if you like our content, I hope you're going to stick around and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you download your favorite podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, LinkedIn. And for more information about our show, you can to contact me or for a complete listing and description of all of our episodes, you can find us at advancingourchurch.com. Well, Deacon Ed, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me back again, Jim. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Um, it's been a couple of years since we had you back on episode 110. And uh, so if folks aren't familiar, I thought I would just provide a little introduction to Deacon Ed. He's the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. He was ordained a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Scranton back in 2004, and he currently serves at St. Peter's Cathedral in Scranton. Deacon Ed is a founding member of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers and the Catholic Institute of Mental Health Ministry at the University of San Diego. He serves on the Council on Mental Illness, on the National Catholic Partnership on Disability, and on the Board of Pathways to Promise, an interfaith cooperative that facilitates the faith community's work in reaching out to those with mental illness and their families. Deacon Schoner, along with Bishop John Dolan, is co-author of the books Responding to Suicide, a Pastoral Handbook for Catholic Leaders, and When a Loved One Dies by Suicide by Ave Maria Press in Notre Dame. He, along with his family and friends, founded the Katie Foundation after his daughter Kathleen died by suicide in 2016. Deacon, I, Deacon Ed and I first met back in December 2022 when I had him on the podcast back on episode 110. And I'm so pleased to have you back here today, Deacon Ed. I know a lot has happened uh, with you. Your ministry has continued to grow over the last couple of years. You and I have stayed in contact. But uh, maybe you could update our listeners a little bit on what has been kind of the, the focus for the ministry and how has it grown a little bit over the last couple of years? Yeah, it certainly has grown in the last couple of years. It's still very much a, uh, a new seed uh, mm -hmm. planted in the life of the church. Uh, so we started the association in 2018, 2019, in, in that time period, uh, as you said, with Bishop Dolan and a few other good folks from around the country, around the U.S., uh, because we thought, saw this need for a ministry that focuses specifically on mental health-related issues and uh, mental illness, uh, suicide, and the, these unique issues that maybe for far too long, not just the church, but society in general has been reluctant to address directly and to talk about. And our, the goal of the association is, we're not psychiatrists or uh, psychologists or anything like that. Our, our goal is not to cure anything. That's what medical doctors do. Our goal is to accompany people who live with these mental health challenges and illnesses and, and other situations and their caregivers to uh, offer the comfort of the church and the accompaniment of the church in these struggles. Because, you know, uh, in the secular society, so do a pretty good job dealing with the, the mind and the body. But our spiritual life, we're mind, body, and spirit. And there's a need for the Catholic Church to uh, uh, provide the, uh, the president, to accompany people so that they can know that God, God has not forgotten them, God's with them, and his church is with them. Because, you know, all too often with these illnesses, you can start to question yourself. You can start to question what your relationship is with God. So this ministry tries to uh, help people 
reassure people that they are loved by God and that his church is with them in the midst of all of this. And that's what we do with the association. That's excellent. And, and um, I would, I would imagine, uh, and, and as you know, um, and our listeners know, I'm now at St. John Vianney Center. And so mental health has become much more part of my daily life. And I'm so excited and happy to be part of this ministry with you in, in, in many ways. Um, I'm finding that the, the stigma of mental health is is lessening, especially over the last five years since COVID, and so many people had had challenges and traumas during that time period. Are you finding um, that this resonates more at the parish level at the diocesan level uh, over the last couple of years as you've kind of grown this ministry? Yes, it certainly has. I don't think this ministry would have been possible ten or twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. I think the stigma just would have been overwhelming to the point where people would not have been comfortable offering this kind of ministry. And that's borne out by the facts. I mean, this, this, this kind of ministry was not available 10 or 20 years ago. So, yeah, so uh, we're willing to at least talk about mental health and mental illness at this point. And, um, you know, I would say in the church, this ministry is similar to like a grief support ministry in many ways. In fact, those of us that are drawn this ministry also do grief support. I'm one of those people that offers mm-hmm. both health ministry and grief support. It's a ministry of accompaniment. And it's a, uh, a ministry that doesn't try to fix anything, but it tries to uh, uh, reassure people that, that God's with them. So a lot of what we do now is uh, provide some basic information on how to offer a ministry like this. We have a online learning center where you can uh, get more information on how to start a mental health ministry, take, take some basic training courses to build up your confidence, because that's really all you need. You don't need expertise. You need confidence to offer this ministry. And I always say that the two things that you need to offer this ministry is one, a, a love of Jesus Christ, and two, a love, uh, a passion to assist those that are facing mental health challenges. If you got those two things, you got the basic fundamentals of what you need to offer uh, this ministry. Uh, because as you know, good Catholics, we know that uh, psychology and psychiatry and medicine, psychotropic medicines, all of that's a gift from God, just like uh, physical medicine is. So we encourage people to go and get professional care, but that's not what we do in this ministry, just as when we're accompanying people with cancer. We're not oncologists treating the cancer. We're, we're accompanying them uh, as they as they deal with these illnesses. So that's, that's what we do in this ministry. Um, and our association, like I said, provides training resources. We have lots of prayer resources and other information on, on how to do this, how to do this ministry. And I'm thrilled to say that the ministry now, uh, you know, Jim, since we last spoke, we've, we're in about 40 countries now. We have members in about 40 countries around the world, uh, over 2,000 subscribers and members to the association. I've been to Africa. I was never to Africa. The, uh, this ministry is really taking off in Africa. I'll, I'll, I'll be going to India next month for a couple of weeks. The, uh, the, the bishops and the uh, episcopy there in uh, India is really embracing this ministry. We're in Moldova. Uh, of all places, uh, next mm-hmm. to I know many people might not know where Moldova is. It's between Romania and Ukraine, and they're kind of caught right in the middle of uh, the the refugee crisis from the war, and, and many other places around the world. Uh, so yeah, the Holy Spirit's moving in this. So Lord knows, I come from a business background, but wasn't you know wasn't any sort of great strategic business planning on my part. It's more that it's uh, yeah, you can see the Holy Spirit just moving with this ministry, and as you said. People, I think the stigma's decreased enough to the point where people are willing to consider and see the the value and the importance of a ministry like this. Mm, I'll bet. 
Um, I'm just curious, what, what is the, when you, you talk about the, the ministry of accompaniment, what does it look like at the parish level? You have a, I, I'm, I assume you have like a coordinator for the ministry. Is it, are there, is there like a support group? Is there like a, are they the resource person for the parish? How does that look? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a simple ministry. It's not like it requires, you know, 40 hours a week of effort sure. or anything. It's a simple mm-hmm. ministry. So yeah, there a couple of things. One would be uh, spiritual support groups for people that live with mental illnesses and mental health challenges, as well as a separate support group for their caregivers, usually the parents. So mm-hmm. the uh, support group for the people that live with these illnesses is a simple group where people can come together and talk about uh, their faith and their mental health challenges and how the two go together and how uh, one can su- support the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, for example, here in Scranton meet on Saturday mornings, every other Saturday. And it's a wonderful group. It lasts about an hour and a half. We open with a prayer. Then we go around the room and, you know, five, one to five, one being pretty good, five being a rough, hit, had a rough week or two. And we let the five, the people that are fives go first and because they mm-hmm. usually want to talk a bit more. And we encourage them to talk about where their, uh, how their faith is supporting them in their struggles or not. You know, mm-hmm. we encourage them to pray and that if they are struggling with that sort of thing. And uh, uh, and then we it's also have time to socialize because so often with these mental health challenges we can tend to isolate ourselves mm-hmm. and then we always uh, close with a more extended prayer exercise uh, maybe mm-hmm. a rosary or or we'll do a, a, a station to the cross or midday prayer but we always focus it on prayer and our relationship with christ and, mm-hmm. th- and that support group has been many of the people have been coming for years and they're, they're a little bit older they realize they need the support and that it's important to their living in recovery and living good lives with these mental health challenges. The other group is for caregivers and parents, and that's a, the nature of that group's a little different. That uh, tends to be people that are in crisis, like their child or their spouse just attempted suicide or has just been admitted to a psychiatric hospital, and they don't know where to turn, who to talk to. They're in shock and they're in grief. Uh, many instances, because their life has been turned upside down from what they expected. Yeah. So that can be a lot more tears, a lot more emotion. Uh, usually they'll come for a few months until the crisis subsides. But yeah, I would say the heart of this group of these uh, support groups. The The other thing we do is we do a lot of work with uh, educating the, the community, the parish community, about mental health and mental illness to try to normalize it. So for example, we work in intercessory prayers during the masses, uh, I and other people will preach on it occasionally mm-hmm. or work the topic into homilies to sort of normalize the conversation. We don't have to make it just a special mental health mass. I mean, we just sure. references to mental health and mental illness into the normal everyday homilies, so to speak. Uh, so we do that. We have special liturgies. We have uh, here in this diocese of Scranton and a couple of other dioceses around the country. Now we do a mass in September, which is Suicide Remembrance Month. So we do a mass for... Uh, for suicide and remembrance and healing. Uh, sometimes we do a mass, many places do a mass in May, which is Mental Health Month, and also the feast day for St. Dimpna, who's the patron for people with a mental illness. So we do a mass around that theme. Uh, Christmas time, you know, I live with depression and many other people with mental health challenges. We love the fact that Jesus was born and Jesus came into the world to save us, but maybe we're not really so thrilled with all the secular hoopla with Christmas and the forced happiness. So we have a blue Christmas service, and it's quite often it's ecumenical because a lot of other denominations 
have this blue Christmas on the longest night of the year on December mm-hmm. 21st. Uh, so like I said, we work into the liturgy, we, we work to educate the uh, parish community, and we work to provide direct support to people that are living with mental health challenges. That's that's basically the total, some total of what this ministry involves. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's so interesting. The the blue Christmas, that's such a cool concept. I love that. Yeah. 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 It's a, I know a lot of other denominations have been doing it for a while. We, mm-hmm. we started to encourage it within the, uh, within Catholic parishes and it doesn't have to be a mass. A lot of ways it's better if it's a, a service, a prayer service. So mm-hmm. you might go maybe with some Taizé prayer and certainly traditional Catholic prayers uh, yeah. but but have it as a as a prayer service uh, so we can invite the other denomination and other even other faiths uh, other than non-christian faiths can are welcome to come too that's cool wow i was also thinking as you're talking about um homily you know speaking points i would imagine i don't know if you provide those but as somebody who will one day be doing homilies in the not too distant future. Well, that's right. you're, the deacon. You're, you're learning to be a deacon. That's we do right. have homily helpers. We have some homilies that we've written. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like every time there's a reference to a leper, to mm-hmm. leprosy, I think that's a wonderful connection to mental illness in the sense that back 2,000 years ago when Christ was uh, physically walking on the earth, you know, lepers were ostracized. Their illnesses, the illness of leprosy was not understood. They thought mm-hmm. it was a poor parenting or sins of the fathers or maybe something the person with the leprosy themselves uh, did and they were defined by their illness they were called lepers just Mm -hmm. so what does that sound like i mean that sounds in a large part how people particularly with serious mental illnesses are treated you know yes they're they're, uh they're they're just labeled as their illness they're always a schizophrenic well no he's a person with schizophrenia he's not a schizophrenic that sort of thing and christ saw past all of that saw that they were beautiful um person who was created in the image and likeness of God and loved them and and, uh, and, and took care of them, embraced them. And um, so that's that's just one example of how you can work it into a uh, to a homily. There's many other examples. I, I'm yeah. to the point now with my preaching, I think almost every mass, daily readings, if you can't find a mental health, mental yeah. health angle, you're probably not thinking hard enough about it. Because Christ <laughs> certainly understood our mental health issues. And understood yeah. mental, mental illness and there's plenty of references to it throughout the old testament because um, all the many of the folks in the old testament dealt with these challenges i mean there's nothing you know like ecclesiastes starts there's nothing new under the sun i mean we've always had these challenges we're human beings and uh it's just it's good now that we're able to bring them out in the open a little bit more and start to address them more directly yeah that's amazing. That's one very good points. So um, I know a couple of years ago when we first spoke, uh, the the Pope, you had just gotten involved with with the Vatican in some in, in one way where the Pope had, re- had recognized the mental health, I believe, as one of his intentions for the month for, for the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network. Uh, and now two years later, I, I see that you gathered with some other. Uh, folks in this ministry uh, down at the Vatican. Tell us, uh, and it was around a mental health conference at the Vatican. Right. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Right. Well, as a, as a, as a, just a simple deacon from Scranton, all of this talking about the Vatican and all of this still, still, uh, uh, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it, so to speak. But yeah, when I first got uh, uh, contacted by the, by the Vatican, the Pope's prayer intention for November of 2021 was for people that live with depression. And as far as any, any of us know, uh, that was the first time the Pope has explicitly prayed for a mental health condition. So uh, 
Yes, I often tell this story now when I'm out speaking is, uh, you know, I'm sitting around my kitchen table here in Scranton with my wife one morning and I get this, get this email that says it's from Andrea at the Holy See at the Vatican. He would like to talk to me about uh, uh, Pope's prayer and would I please contact him? So I'm sure many people and clergy get these sort of spam emails all the time, you know, please contact me. You know, that's usually the Right. Yes, I've gotten those to myself. Spam. We all get this sort of stuff. So originally yeah. I was going to ignore it and think of it's just one more piece of spam. But my wife said, oh, you know, right back to this guy. So so I so I wrote back and I said, OK, Andrea, with quotes, quote marks, Andrea, what is it you would like? And um, and it turned out it really was Andrea Sarubi from the Vatican, from the Pope's Prayer Network. Uh, who somehow had Googled around the internet and landed upon me, what they were looking for specifically was not mental health professionals. Obviously, the Vatican would have no trouble finding a psychiatrist or a psychologist. They were looking for someone that was interested in the pastoral side of this, the pastoral care issues, ministry issues. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I, I was kind of the only one out there at the time that was really active in this sort of uh, ministry, of a mental health ministry. So I got involved with the... Uh, the Pope's Prayer Network, helping with that uh, prayer intention for that month. And the Pope does, a, every month now, records a, a nice, crisp, little, beautiful video, about two two minutes long or so, uh, on his prayer intention. And then uh, uh, has some other print material on their webpage. They, they also have an app called Click to Pray, which is like the daily uh, office light. There's a short morning, afternoon, and evening prayer. It's a it's a beautiful uh, thing. It gets, you know, millions, millions of views. It's translated into seven languages it's seen all over the world so it's a, it's, so it's a nice way to use uh, you know the internet to proclaim the word of Christ and uh, so it's a beautiful thing to be involved with uh, they did a wonderful job in that November 21 uh, prayer intention and since then I've continued we've continued to work with the Pope's prayer network where we do a monthly day uh, revolving on mental health a monthly day for mental health so when the Pope's prayer whatever the Pope's prayer intention is each month they change we will, on that second Monday of the month, it'll be Mental Health Day, and we'll take a mental health view of the prayer intention. So, for example, when the Pope was praying for teachers, we prayed for the mental health of teachers and their students, uh, and we do like that every month. So this this current month, uh, uh, well, just, well, February, uh, just a, a day or two ago, February, was for people with terminal illnesses. So we talked about the mental health challenges of living with a with a terminal diagnosis and the depression and anxiety that goes along with that. Now, Christ accompanies you in the midst of that. Uh, and in March, it'll be for martyrs, and our prayer and reflections around how the fact that uh, you know many saints and many martyrs of the church live with mental illness. So mental illness and mental health challenges is not an impediment to holiness, uh, even courageous holiness of martyrdom. Saint Oscar Romero. Uh, who was a modern saint, uh, was diagnosed, had an actual modern diagnosis of obsessive-compulsive disorder. His friend, the Blessed Grande, has schizophrenia, was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So I think it's important to reflect on that, that, you know, God overcomes everything. Even, even mental illness is not an impediment to God and certainly not an impediment to living great holy lives. So it's, so it's wonderful to have that partner with the Pope's Prayer Network where we can reflect on, on, on that every month. That's beautiful. And and what were some of the other ministries there that were represented, the folks that you met? You probably met a pretty interesting group of folks. Yeah, well, I met uh, the, the founders of Hallow. Some people might know the Hallow app. Oh, sure. You see that all the time. Yeah. Well <laughs> app that's out there now. Uh, some other people from the Vatican, from the uh, uh, 
but it was the, the meeting was the, the audience for the Pope was for the Pope's prayer network. So it was yeah. mainly for people that are involved with the prayer network from, from all over the world. They were mm-hmm. they the Pope's prayer network. So I met some wonderful people from the Philippines and from Africa and South America. There were about 15 or 20 of us at this, at this private audience with mm-hmm. uh, Pope Francis. And, uh, you know, we were laughing. You go up to the room, you go through the, uh, the apostolic palace and you mm-hmm. go up, which is this big, grand, ancient building with big wide uh, stairways and you're led up by a member of the Swiss guard. And it's, it's, uh, and we're, you know, I'm laughing. I'm, you know, again, I keep joking. I'm a guy from Scranton. So I'm telling the, telling the people, don't touch anything on the walls because it's all this great <laughs> artwork and it's like, don't touch anything. You don't want to, you don't want to break anything in, in this beautiful building. And, Must have been the uh, guy from Scranton if it, it happens, right? Yeah, that's right. They blame the guy from Scranton. So, so we didn't break anything. So we uh, we went up to the room, and uh, you know, like I said, there's about 15 or 20 of us or so. And uh, believe it or not, the Pope kept us waiting for a couple minutes. He he, he is a busy guy. So uh, so we we got there and had to wait a couple minutes for him. Uh, but it's uh, you know it's interesting. It, it, Pope Francis, I guess, how you would think he would be. It's not like he came into the room and the Swiss guard marched up to the front and said, all stand for the Pope or anything like that. He just sort of quietly, we didn't even see him coming. He just sort of quietly came into the back of the room from another door and just walked in and goes, buongiorno, buongiorno, you know, good day, good day, you know, good morning. And uh, come up and uh, said a couple words about the importance of the prayer network. And then we all greeted him. And uh, I came up and I gave him a copy of our, our book on how to start a mental health ministry. And thanked him for supporting mental health issues. And so it was very brief. He said, thank you, and smiled. And, you know, it was very brief. Uh, uh, but it was, you know, quite a, an experience to, to be there and be in the presence of the Holy Father, as it was mm-hmm. for sure, everybody in the room. There, there was one woman there uh, with a six-month-old baby. So he, of course, loved that. He uh, seems to love, love uh, being able to, you know, touch a baby on the head. So uh, sure. it, was, it was all around nice experience. It was very... Uh, very uh, good thing to do, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm uh, certainly thrilled that I was able to to be that close to the Pope and speak to him for a couple minutes. It was very nice. Yeah, beautiful. What a beautiful experience. I'm sure one that you'll remember for a long time. Oh, That's absolutely. Really- we have, they, of course, have a picture of me handing him the book, so we, uh, mm-hmm. so we, uh, you know, we use that uh, on our webpage and show people that uh, even the Pope's on board with mental health ministry. He kind of understands the importance of it. So yeah. And then after that, we had meetings. Uh, by coincidence, uh, I had yeah. I mean, the other thing I laughed about getting a phone call, and then as a in November of twenty one, kind of out of the blue, and we 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 were already planning to have a meeting there in Rome with some of the dicasteries uh, about discussing that the health ministry and the officials at the Vatican. Uh, so already, I was already planning on being in Rome, and I did get a call from Frederick Father Frederick Fornos, who uh, runs the Pope Pratt Network a couple weeks. Uh, uh, prior to that, in early January, where he asked me, he goes, well, you know, would you like to meet the Pope? <laughs> I said, well, well, sure, I'd like to meet, you know, that'd be, uh, okay, yeah, that'd be great to meet the Pope. And it, it just is a happy coincidence that uh, uh, that there was also, the Pope audience was also at the time we were planning this meeting, so they kind of just, they lined up very, I think I met the Pope on a Friday, and our conference was on Monday, so that, that worked out well. And we had a conference then, a one- uh, an afternoon with various people from uh, different dicasteries and different dicasteries like a department at the at the Vatican and uh, different other organizations about mental health ministry and people grant uh, made various statements about the importance of it and we just 
started a conversation on how we co coordinate with each other um, to bring this ministry into the church. So that's what we did. And then I had some other subsequent follow-up meetings. I won't bore you with all these meetings, but uh, yeah, so a large part of building anything is getting to know people and getting them yeah. what they do and for them to understand what we're doing because this ministry is brand new in the life of the church. I mean, so uh, explaining what it is, how it differs from mental health treatment, that it is a ministry, not mental health care uh, per se. And uh, so it takes time for people to understand what we're doing. So it was, it was a good week. I'm, it's a good week. It's always good to go to Rome. Going to Rome is never bad. Uh, no, of but it, course. <laughs> but it was a good week, you know. Yeah, lots of gelato. They they have some good wine over there in Italy. I don't know if you That's know. That's what I hear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was really nice. Nice trip. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. So um, since we last spoke, as I mentioned, I'm over here at St. John Vianney Center. And um, I, and I understand that uh, Bishop Dolan has decided to join our board. So uh, we're very excited to, uh, to have him on board here at uh, St. John Vianney Center. Um, what has it been like? I know that Bishop Dolan has been kind of your partner in crime a little bit, if you will, uh, yeah. in this whole in this whole effort from the beginning. What has been um, what has been like partnering with the bishop? I know he has some uh, family history with uh, ment mental health and uh, that this ministry has been very important to him. Um, what, what has it been like working with the bishop? Well, bishop John Dolan is a wonderful man. He's been very supportive. Yeah. Of, we've grown to be friends and mm -hmm. he's a good man. He's a good man. The people of Phoenix are lucky to have him. As, as their bishop, uh, you know, and he certainly understands this issue of mental health and mental illness. As you mentioned, it was in his family, and he's he's uh, lost three siblings to suicide, plus a brother-in-law, and, you know, it, so that goes to show you it runs in every family, you know, bishop, deacon, priests, but Bishop Dolan, uh, he was installed as the Bishop of Phoenix in August of uh, 22, and his sister Mary died by suicide three or four months after that in October of 2022, wow. and she left them a little note to the effect, you know, continue with this important ministry, so that certainly continues to inspire him, although obviously he, he didn't want or need that inspiration, he was sure. totally committed to this ministry regardless, uh, but he continues to be involved, continues to be our chaplain. Uh, we'll be having a conference on mental health ministry at Mundelein University outside of Chicago, which any of your listeners are welcome to come to, they still some, uh, you can still uh, reserve a uh, register for that. It's at the end of April uh, at the St. Mary's Seminary. Uh, he'll be speaking at it, as will uh, Bishop Gudziak from the Ukrainian Church. Bishop Gudziak is leading an effort on the part of the U.S. Conference of Bishops to reflect on mental health and mental health ministry. So, so those two gentlemen, those two bishops were attending the conference, along with a lot of other good people who are involved in mental health ministry. So if any of your listeners are interested in starting a mental health ministry, this is a, a conference they might want to think about coming to. Absolutely. And uh, we'll leave a link in the show notes of this episode to find the conference and to find your website and to get more information uh, about the organization. Any closing thoughts, uh, Deacon Ed? Uh, this has been great just to catch up with you and find out what's been going on. Yeah, I would just encourage people to, to think about starting a mental health ministry in their parish. I mean, we, we've the ministry's grown to the point where we have the tools and the resources for you to do that. And like I said, if you love Jesus Christ, and if you love and have a passion to help people with the mental illness, you can do it. Uh, and we can help you do it. So our hope is one day this ministry is in co as common in every parish as, you know, youth ministry or grief support ministry, just a common everyday ministry where we take care of each other as we struggle with these mental health challenges. Very well said. 
Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode. And again, we'll leave links to Deacon Ed and to this mental health ministry in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, thanks so much and God bless. Thanks again, Ed. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining me on today's show. I hope you found this conversation valuable and that it has in some way inspired you to take action to advance the mission of our church. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you're going to stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And for more information about our show, please visit us at Advancing advancingourchurch.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you're having a terrific week. We'll see you next time. Take care and God bless.